The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke, chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favours. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated.
Let us pray. May what we share together be in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We call what we're about to do church chat, um, which we do from time to time instead of a sermon. So you don't have to worry, you don't get this plus a sermon tonight. This is instead of a sermon. Uh, A number of people, when uh, they saw my jacket as as they walked in, said, where's your hat? They expect with a jacket like this, I have a matching hat. Little did they know, we're going to talk about hats and expectations and Christmas. Uh, Because each of us wear different hats at different times in life and different hats at the same time. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the hats that we've worn or wear uh, and how those expectations um, have played out. So, Marianne, would you take us off? The first hat that I thought... Um, being a friend. Um, at Christmas time, we can feel, I remember um, when our kids were growing up, I'd feel like I needed to be in touch with every friend that I had, and I'd stay up really late several nights in a row writing Christmas cards and get them in the mail, not always on time. And I've come to understand that at Christmas time, it's not about trying to do everything that actually we could be doing throughout the year. And I think I've learned that staying in touch with friends and being a friend throughout the year is a much more meaningful way of being a friend than simply trying to put it all in the Christmas basket. And social media has made staying in touch with friends so much easier. There are some good things about social media. Some. Um, The first hat that I wanted to mention is the hat of a son. Um, I grew up um, with a father who is also a priest, um, and one thing that I remember growing up is that at Christmas time, church came first, which meant that we weren't allowed to open any presents until Dad had finished his last service. Um, there was a time when Dad was in a, in, a, in a regional church that had a number of centres, and so that meant 2.30 in the afternoon. Poor me. Um, but um, it's interesting how our, our childhood and our formation teaches us to either do things consciously or subconsciously that we liked or didn't like about the way that we grew up. And so one of the things that I've done with a hat as a parent and a husband is uh, since Leanne and I have been married, um, we've always, and had children, we've always allowed our kids to open their presents before church. Sorry, Mum and Dad, they're over there. (laughs) I'm going to talk about being a mother. And I think that being a mother is a really complex role at Christmas time. I don't know that it's more complex than being a father, but I think for many mothers, they carry the, um, the, they kind of manage the emotional dynamics in the household. That's a generalisation, I know. But I think for a lot of mums, that's that's what happens. And... um, and we can forget ourselves in the process. I'm really proud of myself this year. My mantra this year has been happy, not perfect. And so far, so good. It's actually working really well for me (laughs) as a a mum. And and this year, I'm actually, we've got our um, eldest son and his wife and their two little girls with us for Christmas. So um, I'm actually wearing the hat of a grandmother as well. 
But some of the other roles I think uh, that a mother wears, a mother may be on her own with her children at Christmas time. That's a really complex and, and difficult space. Um, like Stuart, I was also shaped by the home I grew up in where my parents had a really difficult relationship. My dad was a minister also. We were able to open presents early Christmas morning. <laughs> Everyone does things differently. That's, <laughs> you've got to be kind. Be kind. Um, and so, uh, yeah, wanting to avoid that tension that inevitably was a part of our Christmas Day when I was growing up. But in our own family, I think just trying to be present, just trying to be present as mum, whatever that means, and knowing that being mum doesn't mean being perfect. In fact, they're mutually exclusive, being perfect and being mum. But people, your kids want mum, and you, those in your family want mum. And sometimes that means nursing a child through an illness. We nursed, I nursed a, a terminally ill son through a Christmas, and then... The next Christmas, he wasn't there. So that was a really um, significant dynamic to manage. And many of you will relate to such situations. But I've come to a place where I think to simply be present so that you can actually hear what um, matters to people on Christmas Day and to meet them where they're at because that's how God is for us. God listens and meets us where we're at. Yeah, and... I think I've come to a similar position with a, a different hat. Um, um, before I was a priest, I'm an accountant by training, so I had a number of roles uh, in the commercial world, uh, and all of those roles were incredibly long, houred, regular weeks. But there was something about the week before Christmas. The, um, there was generally at least a couple of days shut down. Sometimes I had to work um, on call. Um, or uh, be there to supervise a payroll being processed. But the dynamic of the week before Christmas was that you actually had to almost double your output to be able to have a couple of days break. And the expectation that you couldn't leave anything undone, that I found myself for a number of years um, getting to Christmas um, and, and because I was involved in church life before I was a priest as well, I had stuff to do in my local church. I'd go home to see mum and dad, and I'd always have something to do um, when I went to see mum and dad uh, where, where they were as well. But I was often so exhausted <laughs> because I'd worked so long and so hard that I wasn't present. Um, I was sort of going on autopilot. And, and I don't think that that's fair to go on autopilot for the people that are supposed to mean the most to you, whether that is your family or a church family. And I think one of the things that I've I learned by wearing that hat is that it's actually okay not to be able to do everything all the time and to leave things undone. And I've learned to pray a prayer that says, Lord, help me to leave the things that are undone, undone. And that's been a really helpful prayer, not just as somebody working in the business world, but especially as a priest. Mm. So um, in my role as a priest, I've, I was at Coomera Anglican College as the chaplain for nine years and ministering in a community where not everyone is familiar with the Christmas story or it, it, 
the Christmas story holds a different um, place in that range of, of families, probably you know, more than a thousand families represented in that community. And so as a priest wearing my hat as a, as a priest, as a chaplain in that community, I loved exploring ways to speak with people about why Christmas mattered, but in words that weren't churchy words, um, sometimes I call that Christianese. We can get carried away and speak a language that really isn't understood by most people. But the beautiful thing about that was it challenged me to really sift, what does Christmas mean for me and how can I talk about it authentically in words that I could speak to anyone about? And again, just that sense of being present to people where they were at and enabling, encouraging them to see that that God isn't distant, that the whole purpose of Christmas was for God to come near and to be with in whatever situation we might find ourselves. It's great having uh, Marianne now in the local church context and being able to work together as priests in the one place. Um, But in a church context, um, we often measure success as priests by how smoothly our services run and how many more people we had than last year. And, um, and so I have to admit, that's a bit of a humble brag, that up until Christmas 2019, not just here but in the church that I was in New- at in Newcastle, every Christmas was a success by those measures, that each year the services just seemed to go a little bit better and a little bit easier and... By God's grace, more people came. And there's something about measuring your success by the wrong ruler and measurement that sometimes brings you uh, to a place where you really need to be. And sometimes that happens when a global pandemic happens. And over the last couple of years, we all know that to measure church attendance by the old-fashioned way about who's in the building um, has become more fraught than than I could have ever imagined. The last thing I would have expected, even though I thought our Christmases were successful, that I'd be looking at a camera uh, and having my words recorded and that people will be watching that back at later times. I couldn't imagine that would be possible. And I think as a priest, um, I've come to learn, particularly over the last couple of years, that my role is not to put on a show and to make you feel good. My role is to serve you, to love you, to be there for you, and let God be God, and Jesus be born. And that's... And if I could have got over myself over the last 15 years and lead up to that realisation, I would have realised that that's been happening all along. And... God didn't need me to be perfect and make sure that every single bit of the service worked perfectly, that my sermon had to be bang on um, exactly 10 minutes. It's not quite there tomorrow. Just 25 words over the limit that I wanted to go uh, tomorrow. But the sense that our expectation should just be that that God is enough. Thank Thank you. And that God is enough, uh, uh, not just at Christmas time, but God is enough all the time.
we wanted to finish by just sharing a thought about what Christmas has taught us the most. From the reading tonight, I'm always um, blown away by the different hats that Mary had to wear. And in that whole, um, in the whole beginning of Luke's gospel, the different people and the different relationships and the complexity of all of that, that Mary actually wore quite a few different hats. She was someone who wasn't expecting to be the mother of the Christ child until she was. And the way that she accepted that with humility. Um, and we can think of Mary as being a super special person because she bore the Christ child. Or we can think of Mary, this humble Galilean girl, um, as one of us. And that actually, because she was one of us, we too are to be the Christ bearers in our world. We are the ones to take Christ's hope, peace, joy, and love into our world because God has come into the world, a world that God loves. God sent God's Son into the world because God so loved the world. That's all of us. There's no one, there's no person on earth who's more important than any other person. And our role is to be that Mary, that Christ-bearer to one another and to those um, who we know and to the strangers that we encounter in our lives. Marianne gave you some brilliant theology. I'm going to give you some brilliant accountancy. Um, one of the things I learned from being a priest and reflecting on what it was like to be an accountant, working as an accountant, one of the, if things are going perfectly, what happens at the end of the month at the end, and, 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 and at the end of the year is that you press a button on your accounting software and a report spits out and it balances. But do you know how many times the perfect scenario happens? Never. Because there's always something that's gone wrong. And what you have to do as an accountant to fix it is you have to go and reconcile. You have to spend time trying to work out where the process has fallen down, where somebody, usually yourself, hasn't processed a payment or income, and, it, and, it, and it's led to the reality of looking at a piece of paper that doesn't just add up. And I think Christmas is like that. We put so much expectation on this one day a year tomorrow that it's, we're going to press a button and it's going to be perfect. Everybody's going to be happy. We're going to buy the perfect present for the perfect amount of money, not too much more than the other person who's giving us the present so we don't embarrass them. And we don't want to spend too much, so, um, but we want to get a good present so we don't look stingy. And that everybody who's going to gather tomorrow is going to play happy families even if they don't really get along. But the reality is, even if that does happen, it's only going to last for a day. And then we're going to find ourselves in need of reconciliation. We're going to have to do the hard work of finding out what's wrong with our world, our lives, ourselves. And for me, that story that Helen read so beautifully reminds us that God entered into our messiness. 
if you hear that story, it's not the perfect Christmas. It would have been amazingly hard work for Joseph and Mary, particularly Mary. The shepherds risked everything to be beside the manger. They left their flocks, their livelihood. They risked everything to worship and praise Jesus. And so if your Christmas this year isn't perfect, it's probably a lot closer to the first Christmas than you realise. And I pray that you do have an amazing sense of God over this Christmas season. But I pray that it's not just about a day. I pray it's just not about tomorrow, even if tomorrow goes perfectly. Say hallelujah. Thanks be to God. But especially if tomorrow goes pear-shaped. Like our family, my brother-in-law's got covid and their family can't come down from, from Toowoomba to be with us tomorrow. But God's still with us. Jesus is still born. We still love them. Christmas isn't a quick win tomorrow. Christmas is a long game. And God is with us. Not just 2,000 years ago. Not just tonight. Not just tomorrow. But all of our lives. Amen.